with Hermitage because he makes Sunday mornings great again.
Briona, it is far too early for us to be compass mentis. But here we are, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Oh, all right, we're here. Uh, with Neil Young and keep on rocking in the free world, electric, which we must adhere to, kicking off this Sunday morning Paranoid Squirrel Breakfast Show. Or is it the Paranoid Squirrel Sunday morning breakfast show? Uh, it looks like I'm the only one here. As uh, neither producer Barton Stacey or engineer Fenny Bridges have shown up and already, yeah, I'm in a spot of technical trouble. As the uh, phone connection to Tom from the Phobics, who is uh, already for this month's Phobic Foibles, is shockingly bad. Firstly, uh, Tom couldn't hear me as so I kept cutting out. Uh, a la Norman Collier, ask your grandfather. Uh, I've just phoned him back and now we've got backgrounds, if not front ground interference but we shall continue good morning tom thank you for getting up so early on a sunday morning to regale some more phobic foibles primarily to discuss your list of six statements one of which was false but before all that how the devil are you yeah well i'm i'm pretty good i've got my negative test uh, so i'm happy about that my mum's out of hospital so i'm happy about that and uh, yeah life can sort of go go back on and, and uh, I'm not annoying as many people <laughs> or maybe I am annoying is it more more people than I would be if I was was isolating uh, in my room watching the hell out of Netflix oh true so, yep I'm happy uh, yeah well happy about that it's, it is a big relief a relief for, for everybody else as well yes. uh, so yeah that's good so you were kissed by Debbie Harry I think it's safe to say those of us of a certain generation are rather jealous and eager to hear how this came about. Well, and so should be. But, well, it happened. I was watching a gig at the, at the venue in Victoria. I can't even remember what the gig was. It might have been New York-related, so it could have been Thunders, could have been Alan Vega, could have been Iggy. But I went to the loo um, in between the bands, and I came back, and I was just conscious of someone running towards me, sort of shouting. And... Um, then I saw who it was, and I just froze on the spot. And she grabbed me and kissed me, going, Tony, Tony. And then she recalled back and realised it wasn't Tony. So I think that she actually mistook me for Tony Parsons, which is bloody hilarious. My favourite Blondie track is Accidents Never Happen, from Eat to the Beat. That uh, When I was banding, it was a song I wanted to cover. But depending on your viewpoint... I never got round to it. However, Tom has chosen Will Anything Happen from Parallel Lines to illustrate his true statement.
time I mean at the time obviously he was writing for for NME and he did have a bit probably a bit more cred than uh, he's, he's had for the last 20 odd years uh, but we did look similar I mean there's a bit I've got a picture of me when I was quite young and there was, there was a picture I think it in in the book he wrote with Bertie the boy looks at Johnny where we, we do look slightly alike I wouldn't say you know if he was standing next to each other you would, you would know who was who but yeah I didn't exactly fight off um <laughs> <laughs> Debbie's advances at all. I, would, I was just intrigued. You know, sometimes it's one of those ones where where you just stand there and she runs right past you and goes to somebody else. You know, but in this particular uh, instance, I, I got the full smack of treatment. Brilliant. Uh, I take it that you shared a cubicle in the ladies' toilets with Billy Idol in the Wardour Street Marquee, and not the subsequent false ones. And obviously, I and my listener are keen to find out which band you were both seeing and why you not only ended up in the ladies. But had to share a cubicle. Okay, right. Well, this was um, Generation X. It was probably seventy-seven, and Generation X had a residency at the Marquee, so uh, they were the band that I was there to see. And the queues for the men's toilets were massive, and there was no one in the ladies at all. And I wanted to go for the slash, so in the toilet I went, and then this bloke sort of like barged barged past me, and we were both pissing in the same. Uh, uh, <laughs> in the same pan and I looked up and it was Billy Idol and he just said you're all right rocker and then zipped up and off, off he went but no so that's where I was I was watching Generation X at the old marquee in, in Wardour Street and bloody good they were too and uh, no I'm not going to tell you what he looked like
Now, Johnny Thunders throwing up on your shoes does sound a bit grim, and I hope that it wasn't on your white pair. Oh, yes, no, that, it wasn't on the white pair. The white pair were a, a, a pigment of imagination uh, when this happened. This was, uh, again, in 77, and it was a gig, uh, a Heartbreakers gig that I went to in Stafford, top of the world. And the story, which is in that book, uh, The Punk Stories, uh, that goes into more detail if anyone can be bothered to find it out. But in, the, in a nutshell, uh, we bumped into... Lee Black Childers and, and Jerry Nolan in Oxford Street one day in 77 after after they'd got us in at a previous gig. And uh, Lee said, oh, do you want to come and see us tonight? And I'm sure they said, we're playing in Stratford. So I said, oh, well, we'd really love to, but we're skin. And he said, look, don't worry about it. Come to Track Records office, which is in Carnaby Street, and um, we're taking a coach. And I thought, oh, okay, fine. So we found out, like, you know, put the details down, went away, came back again the right time. And there were actually two coaches and they were just filled with everybody from all the bands at the time. I mean, there was a young a young Bob Geldof um, in the back throwing badges uh, up saying, oh, we're going to be big one day and everyone telling him to fuck off. And, and it was just, it was like, you know, punk rock royalty in two coaches. And it, was, it wasn't Stratford, it was Stafford, Stoke-on-Trent. So... All the bands, and I think it was the models and the banshees who were supporting, they were all in the coaches. The two coaches went up uh, to, from London to Stafford. And then we got out the coaches and free beer and everything had been supplied very graciously by Track Records. And by the time we got there and had something to eat, we were all queuing up for some food. And Johnny took a bite out of this hamburger and I was chatting to him. And all of a sudden he was sick all over my shoes. He goes, oh, sorry about that shitty English food or, or words to that effect. So, yeah, that was a true story and that did happen tonight, not White Shoes. From the UK cassette version of LAMF, this is Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and get off the phone.
I've met both you and Johnny Moped in real life many times and I have to say a leather jacket that belongs to you I think would be on the rather snug size if not impossible for Mr Moped to comfortably wear and if I didn't know the story was true I would have said this was the uh, false statement but it isn't so pray tell how where and why Johnny needed your leather jacket. Okay, where it was at the New Cross Inn and um, the Phobics were supporting Johnny Moped there. And we were talking to Johnny um, before he was uh, about to get on stage and he didn't have, he realised he didn't have a leather jacket and he was freaking out a bit. So I said, oh, Moiny, why don't you lend him a leather jacket? Because Moiny is a more appropriate size comparison to Mr Moped than I am. And he said, I'm not doing it. And uh, I said, well, Johnny, I would lend you mine, but obviously it wouldn't fit. And he's going, yeah, it would, yeah, it would. And so I took it off, expecting him to, you know, try it on and then give it back to me uh, because it was too small. But he just took his shirt off and squeezed into it, bare-chested, and then off he went, did the gig, and gave, gave me back this sopping, sweat-soaked jacket, and it's never been the same since. From Johnny Moped's debut album Psychedelic and indeed their first single, this is No One. I'm no one! 
sleeping in Morris's bed. I hope, Tom, that he wasn't in said bed at the same time. Well, well it would have been, perhaps. It was a single bed. Uh, well, I used to be a, a, a pen pal with Morris. So I put an advert in the NME in the mid-late mid 70s asking for New York Dolls bootlegs because I knew Morrissey was a fan, but I mean, I, I hadn't had any contact with him prior to this. And he was actually the first person to respond to my uh, request. And um, anyway, I used to ring him and we, you know, we used to talk often and I, I stayed with him in Manchester in, in his house in, in Kings Road and that's how I got to sleep in his bed. Uh, but I was it was a single bed and he wasn't in it. But um, on one occasion we went there uh, to Manchester, we ended up going to the Great American Disaster, which is sadly long gone uh, proper American burger. I mean, I suppose they were a chain, but there are only two or three stores in the country. I think there was one in Beecham Place in Kensington and one in uh, Fulham Road. Um, in Chelsea, but they were just the most wonderful burgers, and I've never had anything like them since. But yeah, talk about meat is mur murder. He obviously forgot about uh, that particular <laughs> element. <laughs> but no, I, I, you know, I used to, I used to write to him, and I, I've got hundreds and hundreds of letters, which one day will go into a book. But I think he's going to have to die because I wouldn't be able to afford uh, the uh, legal representation to fight off the. Um, the, the lawsuits because uh, if I told if I told you I'd have to kill you I think Fair enough. there's some good good scurrilous stuff in there but yeah I think people I mean I, I really hate the way that he's, that he's become now and people did obviously have the idea that he was a miserable git but he was actually one of the funniest people that I've ever met and, and he was very very charming and engaging and, and absolutely hilarious uh, but unfortunately, uh, that was then and uh, now is now. Uh, the only Smith material I own is the uh, Troy Tate Sessions that uh, should have been the band's debut album. Although uh, after it was recorded, they decided to reject these and re-record the Everything with producer John Porter. Therefore, from the shelved recordings, this is What Difference Does It Make? And uh, quite a lot, if you ask me. <laughs> Thank you. 
Now, that obviously means that the uh, full statement was uh, David Bowie peeing on you, but uh, there must be an element of truth in that, Tom. Uh, well, there is an element of truth, and it's the other way around. Um, actually, I peed on him. Uh, I was at Hammersmith Odeon watching the Boomtown Rats. I'm pretty sure it was the Boomtown Rats, and I got, I got bored. And uh, I, I went out into the foyer, and a bunch of the heartbreakers there. Fungus was there, Nolan was there, and I think probably Walter and, and a few girls and a few other sort of people. They were just all sitting on the stairs. So I went over and I was chatting to them. had a wonderful conversation with Jerry Nolan about being left-handed. Uh, and I didn't realise, you know, despite the fact that I'd seen loads, that he was actually left-handed. He was a left-handed drummer. And he's going, no, man, you know, like, you, know you move the... The, 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 the snare goes on this side and that goes on that side. And I thought he was winding me up uh, until I obviously saw, <laughs> saw him the next time I saw him. But anyway, I went to the toilet and uh, I'm just standing there over the slash. And all of a sudden, was, there was this sort of like a couple of hefty people came in. There was a bit of a kerfuffle and uh, I sort of ignored it and carried on. And then I, as I sort of like looked up, the thin white duke is standing next to me having a piss and then instead of sort of like looking with with my just turning my head i'd sort of like turn my, my whole body and a bit of piss actually went on him by mistake and i said oh god oh god oh, i'm really sorry i'm really sorry he goes oh don't worry about it it happens all the time and um on that moment i sort of like zipped up and buggered off quickly but yeah, it was uh, quite. It was. It's very, very strange standing next to David Bowie in a urinal, and obviously, it's not something that I'll ever do again. From Aladdin Sane, this is Panic in Detroit.
And believe it or not, we do actually have a winner, to be fair. There was only the one entry, and that was from Squirrel Companion Ian. And yes, it was right. All we need now is for him to email me his address, and he shall be the proud recipient of the new phobic CD, Burnt Rubber, no home should be without one, Hell Train's one and only self-titled LP, and a signed promo card by Mick Rock of the Raw Power Book of Photos. Power 
Okay, Tom, now we've got that out of the way, what have you been grooving to whilst you have been self-isolating? Um, right, okay, so Black Halo's, Black Halo's second ha- album, um, that sort of kept me alive when I was in hospital after I broke my leg. Uh, I was in a really, really, really bad way. And, and at one particular point, I had septicemia and nearly died, so I was in intensive care for a while. And Dee very kindly bought me in a, a portable CD player. And Black Halo's second album was, was one of the two or three CDs that I had. And I played it incessantly while attached to a morphine pump. And I recommend the experience to everybody. Uh, but that, that album really, really did keep, keep me going through very dark times. So um, it's nice to revisit it every now and again. And I suppose because I was ill, I mean, subconsciously, I just reached for it. But obviously, it's something a little bit deeper than that. But yeah, that's that's the, uh, the story about that particular thing. From the Black Halo second album, The Violent Years, this is Sell Out Love. Cooper's killer album in mono, which I didn't even know it was out in mono. 
it's a French classic. And uh, that's bloody good. Don't like you, Tom. I didn't even know that Killer had come out in mono, so unfortunately it's the stereo version of You Drive Me Nervous that I'm going to play right now. called Chinese Junk, not to be um, confused with all the other bands with Junk as their second name. And that's, uh, they've just had a single uh, put out on Reduce to Clear Records, which a friend of mine runs. Uh, they normally do these 25 limited edition sets and you get a t-shirt, a badge, stickers. It comes in a, in a box, looks like a pizza box actually. And, and the, out, the, the records are all individually named as well. Uh, and it's just great rock and roll, you know, it's just great, good, sloppy rock and roll, and I, I, I definitely recommend them. And uh, there might actually be a phobics one um, in the pipeline for uh, February. Chinese junk who hail from Orpington, which is classed as my neck of the woods, although I better not go over to said area, to exercise. Permanent Reduction EP is just not only available on Reduced to Clear, but as ones and zeros on black wax records. This is Chinese junk and cheaper than you. I'm 
without being depressing, uh, um, I was glad that the Teenage Head uh, compilation CD that uh, uh, I asked for at Christmas, Santa brought it to me. It's called Fun Comes Fast. And there's about 20 tracks on it. And some of them are different versions to the normal versions that you can get. Uh, there's a bunch of live stuff on there. And there's a few uh, cuts that they did with uh, Marky Ramone. Uh, and that, I think that CD is pretty hard to get hold of, but it's a really good compilation of a really great band. And um, I would invite everybody to listen to it now. <laughs> tearing me apart by teenage head from the fun comes fast compilation cd uh, other than that i've been going backwards again uh, with a band called the chris teams who are new york uh, mostly all girl band and uh, a particular song that's been floating my boat is hold what whole wide world world which is um, the reckless eric cover. so you can stick that one on covers cool 
and that comes from their Scandal, Controversy and Romance CD, which came out in 1998. When I was a young girl, my daddy said to me, there's only one boy in the world for you, and he probably lives in Tahiti. I'd go the whole wide world, go the whole wide world just to find him. Maybe he's in the Bahamas, where the Caribbean Sea is blue. Weeping in a tropical moonlit night because nobody's stolen by.
Right, we've come to the end, Tom. Thanks very much for giving up your Sunday morning, as it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Likewise, and Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to uh, to your listener or <laughs> listeners. <laughs> All right, I'll see you later, mate. Yeah, cheers. You take it easy. And Ta-da. you. Bye. Bye. Knocking on doors, opening windows, up and down and round. We are.